0: Let listening hearts listen not just to the story, although it is an interesting story, but let's listen beneath the story to what God would say to you, where you find your place in this story. Are you a neighbor, a parent, the blind man, Jesus, the religious leaders? And we may play more than one of those roles. We may move from one role to the next as our days go by, but listen deeply and listen carefully to the word of the Lord. As he walked along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When Jesus had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent so the man went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him believe before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It's he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. The man kept saying, I'm the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. I went and washed and received my sight. They asked, where is he? He answered, I don't know. They brought to the religious leaders this man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the religious leaders began to ask him, How he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some of the religious leaders said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they asked again, the man born blind, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He opened. He said, he is a prophet. The religious leaders did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son. And we do know that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. John writes, his parents said this because they were afraid of the religious leaders. For the religious leaders had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I don't know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciple? They reviled him saying, you are his disciple. We are disciples of Moses for we know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, now here's an astonishing thing. You don't know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but God listens to the one who worships God and obeys God's will. And never has the world before has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sin and you're trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when Jesus found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me that I might believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. Lord, I believe, he said. And he worshiped Jesus. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Some of the religious leaders said to him, surely we're not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. May we hear deeply from the word of our Lord. Together we say, Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. We dismiss our children now for their time of worship. Let's pray together. Speak, Lord, your servants, listen. Reveal your way to peace. We gather this day as we do every Sunday. but We are always aware of your capacity to surprise us with deep truths that Reveal to us things we've never seen before. May blind eyes be opened through the power of your love revealed in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So Jesus' disciples assume that this man is blind because, well, frankly, just because someone deserves it. Someone did something wrong, this is the consequence. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Somebody's done something wrong. They're like many of us. We like a world that is ordered, that makes sense, that is concrete and sequential, and things follow in a certain way. You do good, good happens to you. You do bad, bad happens to you. And Jesus immediately dispels this punitive God model. Let me say that again. Jesus dispels the punitive God model and paints for us a picture in this story of a God of grace and goodness and growth and healing. Jesus said he was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. In other words, if we'll trust if we'll let God shepherd us, to use the words of Psalm 23, what we can discover is that our blind places, our broken places, our places where we feel inadequate, the places of our pain, actually are the entry points where God comes into the world. And if that is true, then God is everywhere waiting to be revealed because there's a lot of blindness in the world today that goes far beyond physical blindness that we confront on Frankfurt Avenue near the School for the Blind. It's a blindness that permeates all of culture. We're blind to how our choices affect a much wider circle than we are ever aware of and we're also blind to how other people's actions affect us even many years later events from our childhood from our youth when we're young adults they they're still present in us and they affect us even though we're blind to them we're blind to how power corrupts we can see it in others we can say oh i don't like that person But we don't see how our own power corrupts us. We're blind to the real cost of things. I recently broke down and bought a pair of socks. Uh, Apparently not all socks that have holes in them are holy socks. So I went and bought a pair of socks, $2 on them. Great. That's a bargain. But I didn't really factor in all the costs, the environmental costs. The economic costs, the exploitive actions that that have been created that makes socks that come from another part of the world $2 for me to purchase. I'm blind to all that. I'm blind to how my ego, or what Paul calls the flesh, leads me around by the nose, making me care about things that really aren't that important in life. Think about it. We do it all the time. Many of us in this room were blind to our white privilege until others invited us to see what we had been blind to, that we found ourselves having been born on third base and presumed that we were the ones that hit the triple that got us there, when in fact it was just by consequence of our birth and our parenting that got us to where we are today. We're even blind to our blinders. Like the religious leaders of the day, we have blinders. You know how horses wear blinders that keep them from being distracted by what what might be on their left or on their right. We're blind to the fact that we wear blinders and can only see in a limited way. Based on how we've been raised, based on the values that have been instilled on us, the assumptions we make, and the rules that we've created as a society that narrow our vision and limit our vantage. As the religious leaders back then said, surely we're not blind, are we? The very people who were more concerned about rules for Sabbath keeping than they were about a man who, has been, who was born blind receiving sight. Surely we're not blind, are we? It's possible to be blind to the fact that you're blind, you know. You don't know what you don't see. We presume, I see all there is to see. I have complete knowledge and understanding. My view of life is all there is to life. There's nothing to learn, nothing to discover from other people who see from a different angle, see from a different vantage point, see from different experiences. My father used to say to me teasingly, son, sometimes you're blind as a bat in one eye and you can't see out of the other one. We're blind to the fact that we're blind. It takes an enormous amount of trust and courage. Remember we sang... Give us courage to step into the breach, not just out in the world, but inside ourselves. It takes trust. It takes courage to own and hold our blindness, our brokenness, our pain. But we hold it and we attend to it because here's the very place where God waits to be revealed, to heal us, to give us the capacity to learn and mature and grow so that newness emerges in us. You often hear me quote Richard Rohr, never waste your pain. Never waste your pain. By that, I think Rohr meant exactly what Jesus was saying when he responded to the question, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? With the response, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This man was born blind so God's work might be revealed in him. The places of our brokenness are the places where God is revealed. And of course I can't overlook the fun part of this miracle. The miracle that makes this the favorite for every adolescent boy and every Adult who's still an adolescent boy somewhere inside, and that is the part about spit and mud and rubbing it in somebody's eyes. I mean, so gross, so graphic, so very human. Jesus spits in the dirt and makes mud. And doesn't that remind you of the creation story of a God who bends down into the earth into the humus and forms the human? We're formed from the dirt of the earth, and we're reminded at Lent on Ash Wednesday, "Dust you are, and to the dust you will return." And that's not bad news. That's good news. It's who we are. And in this miracle, Jesus takes our humanity, our dirt, and mixes it with the God. Of life and love. And sticks it in our face. And something happens. It's like a spiritual chemistry kind of happens. Some kind of spiritual chemistry reaction. Happens that we have the capacity. To see. Looking at our humanity full on. With God at our side. We see more clearly. And thus the toasting phrase, here's mud in your eye. Here's mud in your eye. Life, vision, vitality, growth, newness. To see what is important, to see how big and beautiful and abundant this world is, to see our place and our role so that we can move, we can grow. From asking the question, who sinned? Who can we blame? To the place where we say, once I was blind, but now I see. Here's mud in your eye.